2: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin.
1: Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, November 27th edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Derek Van Ripers is with me today. We hope you had a happy Thanksgiving weekend. We talked to you after Thanksgiving, we talked to you on Friday. Um, but, Derek, um, calling in from or on with me from Wisconsin. Brett Hundley, even though you lost, moral victories are no good. Brett Hundley was actually not bad.
2: No, he was fine. I mean, uh, I think the only real sequence where there was some concern was the last drive the Packers had. And like, they they forced a the stop late. They got the ball back, and then uh, a couple <laughs> things went wrong. Hundley got sacked by T.J. Watt. Jamal Williams ran out of bounds on a play, stopped the clock. I mean, just stupid things that ultimately – probably were the difference but you just got the feeling watching that game even though the Packers played well offensively that they weren't going to come up with a big stop when they needed one late right and they didn't get it and that's just what it is so I don't know I mean I guess this is kind of like the the post Chicago reaction where you see Hundley's numbers and you think all right well he looks okay He hit Randall Cobb on that broken play I made a few other nice throws as well and it's not like he's lacking tools it's just the the range of outcomes with him is all over the place and i think a lot of it comes from you know feeling the pass rush uh being able to make those second and third reads consistently it seems like that's an issue and you can't get on the same page with jordy nelson i mean jordy nelson continues to be unusable but Devonte adams is perfectly fine it appears his price has been falling in dfs and he's actually been a, a pretty solid value throughout the time hunley's been the starter right and jordy's dead to us it's it's weird because I I, I still don't think it's like a full like skills regression for right. him. I mean, if Rodgers were out there, maybe Nelson would be the the one a one B and now have that B roll or something that that's totally possible. Uh, but I think he's still drawing more top corner attention than Adams. And with that, you know, Hundley's more comfortable throwing to Adams. So, yeah, you come away kind of like feeling better about the Packers than you did going in. But then you think, well, OK, I felt good about them coming out of that Chicago game, and then the Baltimore game happened. So unless Baltimore's defense is truly Super Bowl caliber, uh, I think we still have to be a little bit hesitant to to buy in a lot on uh, on what the Packers are doing. I mean, the good news for them, the Bucks at home this week and the Browns on the road the week after. So you never know. I mean, I, I two wins are, are possible, at least. And if you're a Packer fan, you're just crossing your fingers that Hundley can keep them in the mix for maybe that last wild card spot, and Rogers makes it back at the end of the year to to put them over the top. Right,
1: and look, yesterday that you got some encouraging signs on that. So we'll see. All right, folks, um, we're gonna go through uh, Sunday's games, uh just a few notes on each. If you have any more questions about them, you think we miss anything, whatever it might be, tweet us. I'm at Jay 37 Derek's at Derek Van Riper. You can also tweet us at Rotowire and uh, catch up on the news we'll talk about some of the injuries at Rotowire NFL. Um Bucks Falcons first. Um the Falcons are picking it up a little bit, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I I'm kind of wondering if they're the if it's going to be them or if there's going to be one other team that we're sleeping on a little bit in the NFC. Maybe it ends up being one of the, the wild card teams and maybe the Falcons are one of the wild card teams, but up to 7 and 4 now. You know, the Saints coming off a loss yesterday, only a one game difference now between those teams. The Bucks of course are Kind of out of it at this point. And uh, the Panthers, I mean, th- it makes you wonder, is this easily the toughest division in the league right now? Because you've got three teams that are legit contenders yep. to win the NFC. I mean, uh, whichever one of those teams, if, if one of them doesn't make it, whichever one does get a wild card is going to be the trendy playoff stack when you start looking at your your playoff fantasy leagues.
1: Well, you're going to have you might have both wild cards from there. You Good. I mean right now, if you look at the other divisions, I mean the Seahawks would be the the one the, the other team in that mix, right? But in the north, um eh, Packers, Lions, eh, right? Uh the East, no way. I mean, you know, after the Eagles they kind of stink. Um so, I don't know. I I think you, you might get I mean, we'll see what happens with, you know, Saints Panthers this week. But I think you could, I think there's a pretty decent chance that you could get both wild cards out of the south.
2: Yeah, it, it it's shaping up that way. And we'll to see if, if someone can can get hot and, and shake things up a little bit. And again, yeah, the Rams Seahawks situation is the the best case for a team outside of the south picking up a wild card, seeing how that could play out. Uh, but yeah, you look at the Falcons. Things are starting to click. Julio had a monster game. I mean, the thing about owning Julio Jones, like I said, this back during draft season, it's great if total points over the course of the season are your goal. <laughs> it's maddening if you're trying to win head to head matchups. It, right. It's been that way. It seems like forever. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy I've got them where I do because one of those leagues is the steak league and, and it is all about total points as far as whether or not you're eating or paying for meals at the end of the season. But why can't we just get more consistency from him? He's clearly still a very good, if not still elite talent. And yet the production is just weirdly erratic for a player of that caliber. Right. I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. And it, and
1: it's not all about, you know, some teams just take him away. It doesn't seem to be that. Um, otherwise here, when Devonte Freeman comes back and we don't know when that will be, he was out for his, I believe second straight game with a concussion. Um, has Tevin Coleman earned more work? I mean, do you think it goes back to the way it was, which is was kind of a, I think it was a two-third, one-third kind of deal in favor of Freeman, but Tevin Coleman's pretty good back.
2: Yeah, I mean, they paid Devontae Freeman a lot of money, though, that contract extension. So I think as long as he's healthy, he's still the guy, and probably by a similar margin. Maybe they go from 65-35 to 60-40 or something like that. Uh, but this is a nice luxury to have. I mean, when you have two backs that can carry the load like that, it really goes a long way towards keeping them both fresh for later in the year. Uh, and if one goes down, you know, you have a guy that keeps your running game going at a high level. So I, I like what Atlanta has been doing these last few weeks. Matt Ryan, finally having a big game, lost a TD to Muhammad Sanu because one of the Julio Jones TDs was a 51 yarder from Sanu. So if you're a Matt Ryan owner, you're a little frustrated by that, but you know, it's the little things I guess. And you look at the rest of the, the options in Atlanta, I mean, the two backs, Julio and then Sanu is kind of viable. I still don't trust Austin Hooper. I mean, I think he's more of like a desperation GP. You got injuries maybe in season long and you look at the matchup and it checks out, but he's still one of those guys that I want a little bit more from. And I just don't think we're going to see it consistently down the stretch here in 2017.
1: All right. And Falcons have the Vikings coming to town this week. So not easy for any of them. Um, on the other side of this one, little bit of news, um, Doug Martin concussion, Uh, too early. We're doing this again, nine o'clock Eastern on Monday morning. So, so we're not sure what's up with Doug Martin. Um, we'll find out during the week. They're playing at Green Bay this week. The other thing there, um, we also don't know the status of James Winston, um, for week 13. It would seem that not that we're worried about, you know, low level tight end ones, but if Cameron Brate's ever going to do anything again, it's pretty clear right
2: now that he needs James Winston to do it. Right. Yeah, O.J. Howard's probably taken on a larger role like over the time that Winston's been hurt, too. I mean, as a rookie tight end, his, his role increasing over the second half isn't that much of a surprise. Atlanta's pass defense is actually pretty good, too. So when you look at these results, I mean, don't be totally surprised they kept Fitzpatrick well under seven yards per attempt. That's what Atlanta's been doing as a defense pretty consistently throughout this season. Uh, when their pass rush is healthy, they get a lot of pressure, and that goes a long way to help them, too. Uh, as far as the Bucks go otherwise, I mean, Peyton Barber scored twice but only had five carries for seven yards. Right. So I, I wonder if, if Martin if Martin were to miss time, will they go back to Jacquiz Rogers or will they actually try something different with Peyton Barber?
1: I, I would – again, this is one of those things where we look and we say, well, we've seen Jaquiz Rogers and we know that there's a, there's a very – there's kind of a low ceiling there and that Peyton – why not try Peyton Barber? But then I always go back to – it's the same conversation we've had about the Giants with Davis Webb. It's like, well – they know what they see. Like they, they know Peyton Barber better than we do. So I don't know. I would hope that they would try Peyton Barber. It would seem to be something that's worth worth a shot. But um I, I guess we're gonna have to listen to the Bucks on that. Um Browns Bengals next. Joe Mixon. Hooray! It finally
2: happened. It did, and I mean, I I thought the volume would be there. I thought it maybe would be less efficient than it was because Cleveland's been good uh, against the run this year, despite all their their struggles otherwise. Uh, but Mixon finally cashed in, and I, I like the Bengals a lot. I mean, I had Dalton and Green paired up instead of a lot of Mixon exposure in DFS. But hopefully for those who have been waiting patiently, he was still in the lineup as an RB2 or as a flex. Does that change your perception of Mixon going forward? Or do you think it was a case where they beat up on a team that now at 0-11 is, is just maybe starting to get a little worn out? For the season, uh, you know, like it, it's good. It's good to be stout against the run the way they have been. But I wonder if, as they go down the stretch, if they start to break a little more often uh, as they sink even further. I, I think it was a. I, I
1: think it was a game where we we learned that. that the, I I would tend to think that they're going to try to build on this. That they're going to say, okay, we're not going to go back to the twelve carry games here unless we're losing. And we're going to try to, you know, have this offense focus on this guy a little more. You know, that that's a guess. I think that's probably what they've, they've hoped to do. And this yesterday you looked at because the Browns, like we've talked about before, the Browns run defense is not that bad or has not been that bad. So I, I think this is something to build on. I also want to talk about uh, on the other side of that. I mean, Crowell had a nice game, but I want to talk about Duke because Duke had he didn't have a huge game. But last week, the Browns talked a little bit about the, some someone, I forget who it was, I don't know if it was the offensive coordinator, was quoted as basically saying, he we know he's one of our playmakers and we want to get the ball in his hands more. you like, we want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. So yesterday, Duke goes six, and so he has 10 touches. And before that, last week's game against the Jags, he didn't have a lot, but I, I feel like they might be, I don't know. Am I am I reaching thinking they're going to try to get him the ball more? And then yesterday was, you know, I mean, 10 touches wasn't cra- wasn't a lot. It's OK. But Duke, I feel like is one of those guys that people ask about every week. You know, he's always on the fringe. He's always a maybe I can play. Maybe I can't. And I'm looking at yesterday and it's probably more the same, I guess. But I, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little better about him than I probably did five weeks ago.
2: Yeah, I feel a little better about him. I mean, I think we know the game script is going to leave the Browns having to throw a lot. If they have to throw a lot, he'll be on the field more than Isaiah Crowell in those situations, even though Crowell hasn't been a complete ghost in the passing game. I and mean, that's one thing that I thought uh, could lead Duke Johnson to even more value Crowell as Crowell a, as a pass catcher prior to last year was, was pretty much non-existent. Uh, but his role is kind of like leveled off as um, c- capable of, of contributing. And, and that was something that, again, I wasn't sure about. But I think with Duke, I've got him in a, a 14 team league. I mean, I, I play him about 75% of the time because there's, there's multiple flex spots. It's not a play I ever feel great about, but I usually feel like eight points is the floor. It's a half point PPR. I think in a full PPR is going to get you close to 10 every week. Cause if you get to 50 yards from scrimmage or 60 yards from scrimmage catches four passes, there you go. There's, there's your 10 points right there. So it just doesn't take much for him in those full PPR formats to be useful But I think he is one of those players that's so dependent upon what he does out of the backfield catching the ball that he doesn't carry much value in non PPR settings. It's the leagues that are half point where he's even like difficult to decide on. Like it's clear on the ends, but right in the middle of the curve with the half PPR, you're always left with kind of a tough decision with him because you may like a matchup for somebody else better.
1: Yep. Okay, we're going to go to Titans Colts again. The Titans are meh. They're in first place now. They're they're, they're they're tied for first place in in the AFC South, and they have the tiebreaker edge on the Jags, which doesn't mean a lot now. But they're still, you know, they they squeaked by against the Colts, and they're just kind of they're uninspiring. But we have got to talk about them, um, Corey Davis. This this is just this is so frustrating. They didn't throw to him a ton, and we talked last week about the you know he, he was getting the snaps and getting the targets, and yesterday kind of didn't get the targets. And uh, even with Richard Matthews out, which which probably threw some people off. Um, I mean, the Corey Davis experiment as a fantasy starter, we have to put on hold at this point. We just kind of can't. I don't think that next next week, the Titans have the Texans at home. I mean, in most cases, you, you probably got to have a pretty deep roster
2: to want to start Corey Davis at this point. Now, nah, with the Texans, though, I mean, they have been so soft against the pass. Mm hmm. I think it's one of those matchup based calls where even though Corey Davis has been letting us down and, and oftentimes it's with more target volume than what he saw yesterday, I still think you want to try to use him in a really nice spot like the one against Houston. But I think beyond that, he's gonna be extremely matchup dependent down the stretch. One problem is that they spread the ball around a lot. Decker's still there, he's healthy right now. Delaney Walker led the way with sixty-three receiving yards, he had the T D from Mariota. Uh, and then, of course, they, they have all their random guys, they Harry Douglas, Taewon Taylor. They had a combined five targets yesterday. And Marriott only threw it 25 times. Right. I mean, he threw it 25 times through two picks. So he actually had 23 attempts that could have gone to uh, to one of his receivers. And, man, like I, I, I'm disappointed in Corey Davis. But I guess it's just that reminder, no matter how talented a rookie is, rookie receivers sometimes take a little extra time to find their footing and He had the hamstring injury in the preseason. It flared up. It impacted him during the regular season as well. It's easy to see how it happened despite the talent. And then you throw coaching and and scheme on top of all that. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand the frustration. But I think the Houston matchup in week 13 is the one where you say, look, I know this has been awful, but this should be a spot where Corey Davis can get me. You know, 70 yards, maybe a TD because Houston's been just that bad.
1: The other thing I want to talk about is the Titans' backfield. Derek Henry. Henry and Murray essentially had the same – basically the snaps were split down the middle. I think it was 32 to 31, Henry. Um, It was. The last four games – so Henry goes 13 for 79 on the ground. Murray goes 12 carries, 9 yards, and a touchdown. I think the touchdown – if I remember, I was watching it. I think they were both in the backfield – and Murray was sort of the lead back, almost lined up like a traditionally like a fullback would be. And they had been running Henry and they gave gave it to Murray on a dive and he scored because um, as I had Derek Henry in a fan duel lineup, which we'll talk about later. And I was a little annoyed. But if you look at DeMarco Murray last five. OK, let's go last six games. 12 for 40, 18 for 59, 9 for 19, 14 for 42, 8 for 10, 12 for 9. What do you do? You think we're at the point where the Titans are going to go? You know what? We just got We we, we got to start changing the guard here a little bit.
2: They should, and I wonder too if Murray hit, hit a hamstring injury that was uh, popping up around the time they matched up with the Dolphins back in Week Five, and he really hasn't played all that well in the time since then. But if you take away the the big play he had against Seattle, remember that that TD run against Seattle was like a seventy yarder or something. It was huge the per carry numbers in that game wouldn't have been good either. His numbers look almost identical to what they looked like during his one and only season in Philadelphia. <laughs> and right. people aren't like smashing the table in, in declaration that is that he's done. But I, I think he's, I think he's done. Like, I think the workload caught up to him. I mean, and and, and maybe he's playing through an injury and that's why he's not good. And, and next year he can show us there's still something left in the tank, but if I'm the Titans, I'm trying to make that change. Now I am trying to use Derek Henry more down the stretch and make Murray the number two guy, because I think at this point, Henry just brings more to the table and you need, if you're not going to throw it very well, you need to get more out of your running game. Henry averaging 4.6 yards per carry, you know, Murray a full yard less at 3.5. That's yeah. a big, big difference for that offense and, and getting first downs and, and winning the time of possession battle. So I think they have to make that change.
1: All right. Yeah. It's uh if I own DeMarco Murray, I boy, and, and you've been, you've been lucky lately because he's been scoring touchdowns with him. I mean, that's been gun. He catches a few passes, which is nice, but the, touch, the touchdowns have covered up the, the ugliness. Um, Bill's chiefs. Oh my God. The chiefs. I mean, this is what a disaster. What a, what a, what a colossal, Disaster! This has turned into after the way they started, and we all thought that you know, hey, may, maybe they've turned, maybe they've really done it this time. Maybe they've turned the corner. Maybe the offense is a little different. It's it seems like you know, great analysis here. It's it seems like opposing defenses have figured them out.
2: Yeah, I. If you're Andy Reid, do you make the move to Mahomes you right know, now? Okay, do you follow Jeff Schwartz on Twitter? I I see his stuff because
1: enough people I follow retweet him or. You yeah, favorite him and stuff like that. He he's been saying that, and and he he's his brother plays guard for the Chiefs, right? So, <laughs> oh yeah, so he's, he's getting inside man. <laughs> yes, and and he's been saying lately. Um, actually, I'm pulling up something. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. But he he's he's been saying lately, no, this is not going to happen, right? And you know, you're kidding yourselves. But that you know, when when they were six and two or five and two, or whatever it was, it was easy to say. And now the drums are certainly beating loudly in Kansas City for this. And he made a point yesterday. I mean, he joked around like, well, don't you think I might have some inside information on this? (laughs) Which is funny. But the other thing is, he said, the the thing is because they're so different, because Smith and Mahomes are so different. He said, you know, right now you'd be putting Mahomes into Smith's offense and it doesn't necessarily work. And as long as they're leading the division, I doubt it will happen. Now, maybe he's wrong, but. Um, it's a good point that, you know, because Mahomes is such, a, is such a big, strong arm that you would think when they make the switch eventually, whenever it is, which is, you know, next year or earlier, and we don't know what it'll be, that, that it will be more vertical than, than the Chiefs, because the Chiefs have kind of gotten back to being not so vertical lately, partially because of the way teams are, are playing them. They're basically, you know, saying, beat us underneath again and um, big mess. I don't think they make the switch. Yet is what I'm trying to say. If they lose two more in a row, maybe, but I don't, I don't, but until then, probably not.
2: Well, there was a, okay. So I, I saw the, the end of this on red zone. Cause I had red zone going all day. They were running screens to Sharkhandrick West just relentlessly as yep. they were trying to get the uh, late go ahead score. I guess it would have been a game tying score pending an extra point to, uh, to go ahead. But I, I how much of that is is Alex Smith? How much of that is Andy Reid? Maybe there's some chicken and egg where, with Smith, they don't want to throw down field, so Reid's more conservative. I don't know, I, or or maybe they're just too conservative because Andy Reid's system doesn't work. I I honestly don't know. I think the the take the the takeaway that you just laid out there that they're too different as quarterbacks. I think we're, I think that what that does for me is it it undercuts. How big an NFL playbook actually is, you know? Like they yeah. have plays to throw the ball downfield, the they just don't call them. Like they have to, like right. they they have to over the course of, of training camp, and preseason, and then regular season so far, they have to have had gone through all sorts of scenarios to be more prepared if something happens to Alex Smith where they could make the transition if they had to. But because they were playing well, because they were winning, I mean they're five and zero, oh, they didn't. Really think they'd have to make that call this year. I mean, they had they had the the fortunate problem of a veteran quarterback playing in a level that was higher than anybody expected, uh, and the league just seemed to be totally thrown off by it. They're not anymore. Yeah. And if you are the Chiefs, I mean, what what do you owe Alex Smith at this point? Like, what's what's the what's the goal here? Hey, like, what what do you get by sticking with him? What's your best case outcome if you stick with him? Do you think now that the New England defense isn't leaking? Huge plays the way they were back in week one. Do you think the Chiefs can go on the road in the playoffs and beat New England for the second time this season? Because I I said it weeks ago. I just don't see that happening. It certainly doesn't look that way right now. I agree. They look bad. They they just they look totally lost. I mean, what we all love Kareem Hunt this week. What what is going on with Kareem Hunt right now? Like, why wasn't he even on the field when when Charkandrick West was catching all those screen passes? Shouldn't those have been screen passes to Kareem Hunt? I mean, there's just a a lot going on with Kansas City that I I really can't figure out. Right. But Mahomes looked great in the preseason. Was he running Alex Smith's offense then or were those the plays they were starting to, to build for him? Because even if you run a limited playbook with a guy that gives you a vertical threat, I think you're better off than trying to just check it down all the time and and really playing with, you know, one hand tied behind your back, essentially, which is what it looks like they're doing offensively. I mean, Mahomes could take those shots downfield to Tyreek Hill. You can run some deeper routes with Travis Kelsey. If nothing's there, he can create more with his legs than Smith can at this stage of his career. So it just seems like it's an upgrade across the board. Maybe you lose the locker room. I, I, I have no idea. Like, that's one of those things where, unless you're there, you don't really know how much, the team respects Smith versus how much they'd be uh you know annoyed by as a first place team making that change at quarterback but the Chargers are are closing that gap so they got to do something whether it's a scheme change or a quarterback change for me I think it's the latter because if if they don't change anything I I don't I don't think they can change the scheme that much with Alex Smith in it so I think you have to change personnel if you're going to adjust the scheme all that much anyway all
1: right yeah I mean and, and it's I wonder it's I, I would suspect it's hard to lose the locker room if you're in free fall already and have a bunch of people say, oh, well, we can't do this. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not there, but if you, you know, I mean, your argument, you, you can't say, you know, I mean, it, it's not like they're seven and three and have won three of their last five games and the change wouldn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know how ready Mahomes is, but um, I don't know if they're going to, I think they're going to have to free fall a little more to make this change. Um, the other thing you mentioned, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, 11 carries for 17 yards, not catching the ball as much. Is he... I mean, they're going to the Jets this week. Um, the Panthers, they put up a lot of yards but yesterday on the Jets, but it was, you know, there was an end around and a big McCaffrey play that accounted for a lot of the rushing yards, so it was, pr- it was probably a little... I don't get fooled by that box score, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, could you, at the Jets, bench... I mean, would, would you be looking to
2: bench Kareem Hunt if you owned him? In... A sense. Yes. But mm-hmm. I also don't know what I'm going to have on my bench that I actually like better. I right. mean, if we were ranking Kareem Hunt as a top three, top five running back when the Chiefs were five and oh, uh, we're probably ranking him as a what a top twenty five running back right now, like a low end RB two. Is he even lower than that for you? Excuse me. Is he, is he a guy that that is now like a flex consideration? Let me throw one. Let me throw two names out there.
1: I'm looking at the week 13 schedule. We have not, again, Monday morning, we haven't done rankings yet. Off the top of your head early in the week, would you start Jamal Williams or Kareem Hunt? Jamal Williams home against the
2: Bucks. If if we're assuming that, yeah, Jamal Williams gets the same kind of workload because Montgomery and Jones and everybody else are still hurt. Oof, uh and thinking about the Chiefs matchup, wow, that, that's that's about where the line would be. And okay. I don't know if see if you're in a league where you still have trades until like the middle of this week. A lot of leagues have had their deadline pass already. I think if you threw Jamal Williams plus something else offer at Kareem Hunt, would that owner be tempted to take it? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, the the Williams role can shrink quickly if Montgomery gets healthy or if Aaron Jones gets healthy, but. Those are reasonable ifs. Jones is out several weeks. So with Montgomery, they rushed him back too quickly the first time. It came back to Burnham. So, man, I, I just, I thought the setup against the Bills was good. You know, the per carry numbers against Dallas and, and the Giants were okay, over four yards per carry. I uh, just didn't get the volume against Dallas. But the TD drought continues. It, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And part of that's the Chiefs not being in a lot of great spots either. But eight consecutive games Without a touchdown, after he had six in his first three games. Yep. The other one that I was going to ask you, the
1: other name, is – all right, so uh, we'll get to this in a minute. Damian Williams hurt for the Dolphins if he's out. Kenyon Drake at home against the Broncos or Kareem
2: Hunt? Mm, I'd play Kareem Hunt. I don't, I don't think okay. that's a good setup for Drake, I And mean, even though Denver's defense has taken a step back. So I guess in the first scenario with Williams – i'm making that call right now i'm still playing kareem hunt but man that's close because williams williams against tampa should be able to do a little more damage he's had a couple of of tough matchups where he's got volume and he runs hard yeah i don't i don't think he's extremely talented i think he's a, a solid nfl back the kind of guy that might be around for a while but i don't know if he's gonna be you know a starter for for years and years i think he's more of a rotation back long term All right.
1: Well, we talked about Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams. Let's go to that Dolphins-Pats game. Damian Williams' shoulder injury. Sounds like he's going to be out a while, you told me, before we started recording. Extended time, they say. Okay. Um, Kenyon Drake might be on tap for a a bigger workload. So that's interesting. And his game's coming up. Denver at home, New England at home, at Buffalo, at Kansas City. Um, On the other side of all the Patriots, you know what? I had to do picks this week, and I looked, and and with the spread, I said, I'm not laying 17 and a half points. I'm well, not doing that in an NFL game here. You know, darn it, it was close. <laughs> I didn't quite get there. Um, this game, and part of it is because it was a a blowout, I guess. Um, but yesterday, at least, there was enough to go around for both Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead.
2: Yeah, and I think that had a little more to do with this game getting Fairly lopsided earlier. It was twenty-one ten at the half. It was twenty-eight ten at the end of the third quarter. They're not afraid to throw with Brady. If they're up late. I mean, there's just certain times where I think they just want to get out of a game and and grind it out, and that's what they did because they could. And then and, and Miami's been bad against the run, so exploiting the weakness also makes perfect sense in this one as well. Uh, so yeah, at the expense of Danny Amendola's production, I guess uh, it was Burkhead and and Dion Lewis who did it and. You know, James White has really seen his role diminish here in recent weeks. So he's become a guy that in full PPR, you're even thinking about sitting down, probably have been for a couple of weeks, but easier to have the courage to do it after a game, in which he had just uh, four total touches for 15 yards.
1: Right. Um, and Burkhead, both of his touchdowns were early. One of them, he was, he went out into the slot at the goal line and caught a pass. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. He, he's one of those guys who he's weird for me because the thing is, you're tempted to say he's a PPR guy, but he's not catching that many passes. He had the one game where he caught seven passes. The other ones, he's just not, he's not catching a ton. And he hasn't run enough to overcome. I don't know. He, he's, he's one of those guys that I, I'm at the point, I have him in some leagues and I hate playing him. You know, I just don't, I'm not, in, I'm not that interested in doing it. I do. I did yesterday. I mean, I did it in the uh, fishbowl, as we always talk about. But um, the, the, And coming up for them, at Buffalo, at Miami, at Pittsburgh. So Hmm. not the greatest setup. I mean, at Miami, you could probably do, but their run defense is not, I I don't have the stats in front of me. They're not terrible. Um, At Buffalo, at Pittsburgh, they're just not great spots for the Patriots to start racking up the points, basically.
2: I mean, if they just repeat what they did to to Miami yesterday and the next meeting, I I think we're all going to be pretty happy with that. And, the Steelers, I mean, we'll talk about them a little more at the end, but their defense looked weirdly vulnerable to big yeah. plays. So, I, I mean, if we, if we saw anything in the Steelers squeaking out that win against the Packers yesterday, for me, the takeaway is that the Patriots are going to have no trouble with the Steelers. Like, right. just none, especially if that game's played in New England. All right. Um, Panthers,
1: Jets, uh, Greg Olson left the game with the same foot issue that had kept him out for many weeks after the game the Panthers said it was soreness it was precautionary and we will know more on Monday hopefully that is true um I'm worried otherwise in that game we reached the point where if you own Robbie Anderson and Devin Funches, you have to play them every week right
2: yeah and, and I know uh Our colleague Mario Puig was as high on on Robbie Anderson as anybody several weeks ago, you know, kind of beginning of the season, even when the the production wasn't there. But Robbie Anderson has scored in five consecutive games, six TDs during that span, uh, at least four catches each of his last four games, 85 or more yards in three of his last four. He's the guy. I mean, you look at the matchup against Kansas City. That's a good spot at Denver could be a tough one. That might be one where you think about sitting him down, depending on the alternatives. Uh, the saints in week 15 Marshawn Lattimore could be waiting for him there. And the chargers in week 16. So I, I love the matchup in week 13 and it's all going to be about who you have as your, your next option in weeks, 14, 15 and 16. I mean, I think he's, he's looked really good. 9.6 yards per target, the TDs, the big plays, lots to like, but that's a rough fantasy playoff schedule for Robbie Anderson.
1: Yep. Agreed. Um, one other guy I want to mention in that game, Austin Sperian Jenkins, who I, you know, he's been on some of my teams and I've liked playing him yesterday. <laughs> two for 27, you'll see in the line. He dropped a touchdown. and it was the I don't know if you saw the drop drop. I mean, he had one touchdown where he, it, was, it would have been a really nice catch near the goal line. And he came down and, and there was a little bit of a bobble. So they threw him in the red zone there. Basically, that was in the end zone. But the other one early in the game, he, he, he couldn't have been more wide open. And, and basically the ball it, right in his hands, and he just
2: dropped it. It was awful. Yeah, I still I mean, the, the one, though, the overturned one, that's another strange one where it's like, really, that's that's not that's not a catch. That wasn't yeah. enough.
1: Right. Um, all right. That's it for that game. Bears, Eagles. So why did the Eagles trade for Jay Ajay?
2: <laughs> I'll never know. Uh, I, mean, I don't want to you know, beat
1: up on the Eagles. I mean, it's hard for me to say, oh, the Eagles don't know what they're doing. I, clearly, that's not the case. But well, why? I don't understand it. It makes the, the way they're using him. I mean, they could have been just fine with what they had if they're going to use him like this.
2: So I don't know. Maybe they want him to continue to learn more about their playbook and to get more accustomed to the system before they increase his role. Maybe it's more for 2018. Maybe I mean, that was one of the things that we mentioned at the time of the trade is that Garrett Blunt's on a one year deal, I think. So he'll probably be gone after this season, I would imagine. And then you've got Corey Clement and Kenyon Barner. I don't think Barner is necessarily back next year. Wendell Smallwood maybe kind of on the on the fringe, and then Pumphrey and Sprouls I guess could be competing for roster spots. But without a Jai, that that personnel group would be paper thin heading into 2018. With the Jai, they have a guy that's done it before that would get a full off season to get up to speed, and then could presumably take on a much larger role next year. And maybe that happens down the stretch, but. The Eagles are going to run through a little, little gauntlet here. They've got back-to-back road games on the West Coast at Seattle, at the Rams. Mm-hmm. A lot of seating implications in those two games, uh, and then they go back east to take on the Giants on the road in Week 15, Oakland in Week 16 at home, Dallas Week 17 at home. So, I mean, they probably, if they if they go three and two in their last five, I don't think anyone's going to be like freaking out. I think that would still be. A uh, right. pretty nice finish to their season, and they could even probably go two and three, and people would say, yeah, they they look good, you know, it's it's just the way it broke. They lost close games at Seattle and the Rams, and then they got upset by somebody else. I mean, Oakland may have something to play for in week sixteen, but maybe not. Anyway, I look at the Eagles, I, I think they are still like at this point, the most complete team in the NFC. Yeah, because the defense is also playing well. They're getting turnovers they're stout against the run I means they're good enough against the run and I think when you when you look at teams that are you know, kind of new to the the playoff picture this year like Jacksonville and the AFC by comparison they don't have the the glaring flaw that Jacksonville does like Blake Bortles is just a huge stain on an otherwise good team yep they, they the Eagles just don't have any spot where you look at their team and go that's a major area of concern like they are they're just Solid across the board. Uh, I, I like them better than the Rams. I like them a little better than the Saints. I think the Eagles are the NFC's best chance right now to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And the Vikings, if, if, if Case Keenum is real, the Vikings might be second. Okay. Mm. Because of the defense. I mean, the, the defense is really important. Uh, the Eagles are they're, they're actually really good against the run. Three and a half yards per carry so far this season. I think only three teams have been more stingy, and one of them is Minnesota. So, yeah, like the idea of of, of Keenum being in a shootout with Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl is a little nuts, but (laughs) the Eagles are really good against the pass, too. 6.3 yards per attempt, only the Jags have been better. right? So I I see Minnesota and Philadelphia as two teams that are like top five, top six against the run and the pass, and that can play, really play up in, in playoff time. All right, folks,
1: FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans with new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone with lots of contests to choose from, and they start at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. I mentioned earlier, I promised last week after we discussed Paxton Lynch and his matchup with the terrible Raider defense that I promised to start Paxton Lynch in the NFL Sunday Million, which I did, and um, it didn't go well. I stacked Lynch and Emmanuel Sanders, and I got a combined 5.34 5.34 points from them
2: well you know fortune favors the bold just not every <laughs> single time so you you know you you took a swing and, and you missed so you come back you get back on the horse in, in week 13 and it'll 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 be fine you'll, you'll your bold move will work eventually you think so it has to all right and I had, as and long as I had
1: Julio in that lineup. That's the sad part. That's the oh part man. that's frustrating. I mean, he was 24% owned, 24.1, so it's not like I was the only guy. But you have Julio in a lineup and you think, you know, that's that's such a great head start the way he played. I had Julio and Le'Veon Bell.
2: That's, a, that's a good foundation. Yeah, it was hard to cash without without Julio this week because he was so high-owned and uh, did so much damage. But, yeah, I, I think as long as you don't empty your bankroll before you you hit on a bold call – You'll hit on one eventually, I guess. And that was the idea because Lynch was so cheap, but whatever. And he
1: ran a little bit. That was the exciting early on. He had what two carries for 20 yards. And I said, hey, see, that's it. I mean, if he throws that's one a, touchdown and maybe runs for 40 yards, I might be in OK shape.
2: I, I didn't know Paxton Lynch was really known for his mobility. But he did he, 13 rushing TDs. I think his second year. I mean, he's a big Memphis. dude.
1: Right, but but supposedly the, when he came out, they said he can actually even though he's so big, but he can actually run a little. He's he's more he's more mobile than you'd expect. So I think so at, at least, least I think I'm remembering that correctly.
2: More mobile than you'd expect, which would describe <laughs> pretty much everybody at Roto-Wire. <laughs> wow, you, you could put you could put that in everybody's scouting report, and it would be true. And it's people that are all like different ages and sizes and shapes and. Yeah, we're all, we're all a little more mobile than you would think because we, at, at a glance, looked like we'd be terribly immobile. Why are the Broncos stacking the six, seven quarterbacks, by the way, with, with Brock and yeah. you know, Paxton Lynch on the same roster? They like the downhill plane. Like it doesn't I, – I just think the the NFL prototypical size for a quarterback thing is, is still one of those, those goofy things that people are looking for and that I don't think it makes a big difference. I mean, sure, if you – if you have otherwise equal skills, would you rather be 6'4 or 5'11? You'd rather be 6'4 because you could see clearly over the giant lineman blocking in front of you. But that extra height in and of itself doesn't really do much for you skills wise. No. I mean, yeah, you don't need to be
1: 6'7 over 6'4. But yeah, Lynch, that's. And uh, we won't know about Pax. We'll talk more about Pax and Lynch later, but he's injured. We don't know what the status is yet. Um, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing like FanDuel. I was not one of those yesterday, obviously. Uh, to take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com rw. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire wire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes, and that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com rw. Void where prohibited. Thanks, FanDuel. All right, Seahawks Niners. Um, we had a Jimmy G sighting at the end. And nothing against C.J. Beathard. I hope he's okay, Um, But he got hurt late. Jimmy G came in with what was a minute and a half left and threw a touchdown pass.
2: Yeah, they should have started him, clearly. I mean, the the per second production was elite from Garoppolo. (laughs) (laughs) it, It seems like, though, like with the Niners, like they they know how bad they are right now and they don't want to. I don't know they don't want to like shatter Jimmy Garoppolo's confidence by making him play on a terrible team and then have him go through the entire off season, just doubting his life. But they also sound like they're going to give him the franchise tag. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting because everyone's like, Oh, he's going to be paid. He's the average of the top five quarterbacks. Yeah. But if he's bad, they don't have him as a big cap hit for the next several years. Like that's, I think it's kind of smart. Like, reasonably speaking in their situation, because you get a one year period to evaluate a guy. It's not like, I don't think the Niners are up against the cap. They don't have that much talent. So that's, that doesn't matter from a team standpoint. They're gonna have a bunch of young players that they bring in next year to take on larger roles, maybe a free agent or two, but ultimately keeping him away from this terrible team could be a good idea. The only thing I would say that's an argument against that is if you think, pieces that are on this roster right now are going to be important pieces next year. And that could mm-hmm. be the case guys like Carlos Hyde, Marquis Goodwin made more of like a three when when you you know get a Garcon back, if you bring him back in or add a number one receiver or whatever, but I don't know. I, 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 I tend to err more on the side of playing time against real NFL teams is currency and it's valuable and you shouldn't waste it on CJ bet If you think Jimmy Garoppolo is your starter next year, but there's a lot of moving parts, of course. So we'll see. We'll see what happened to Bethard if he's actually going to miss time or not. And I'm, I'm guessing the, the fan base will be just feverishly calling for Garoppolo to get the start in week right. 13. And Bethard said um, didn't
1: think he – I'm reading from the Rotoar blood. Doesn't think he tore any ligaments, saying his injury could just be a bone bruise. It was a nasty-looking hit. It was a – you know, they basically got both his legs on the way down. Um, the Seahawks side, I mean, geez, with Daddy Eddie Lacy – I was kind of hoping McKissick would would get more work, even though he's a little guy, just because of he's he's clearly their best playmaker in the backfield. And they just let Lacey plod for, you know, junk for for useless, not useless yardage. But it wasn't
2: it's just there's nothing impressive here. There's nothing. He's not good. I would pick up McKissick if he's still out there in a shallow league. They've got to do something to get the running game going. You don't want to be one dimensional. I know Wilson can make a lot of plays himself. He had a rushing TD in this one, two through the air. Uh, one to Nick Vanette, but one to Jimmy Graham. Uh, Paul Richardson actually led them in receiving yesterday. Seven targets, four for 70. And then uh, Doug Baldwin was quiet, which was surprising to me. I thought he was a pretty safe cash play. Easy top 10 receiver for this week, and, and it didn't turn out that way. Uh, Carlos Hyde in full PPR at seven catches, but uh, only a total of 68 yards from scrimmage. On twenty three touches for Carlos Hyde. Yep, that was not good. Yeah, he's and he got what thirteen targets or something in the receiving in the passing game. Thirteen
1: targets. Yep, sounds nice. Um, so Saints Rams. This it was a little low, lower score. We talked on, on Friday about how this was might be a little lower scoring than the over under would have suggested. It was the over under was fifty four. Um, so the Saints. I mean, the backs were still. You know, Ingram wasn't so great,
2: but Kamara is. He's just. He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Yeah, he's running a lot of routes, too, like which is pretty interesting. I mean, uh, Mario mentioned this on Friday or no, it was the Saturday XM show. Uh, I, I can't point out how Willie Sneed, since his suspension hasn't been used at all. He got one more target yesterday. And he said, well, Kamara has basically just taken on the Willie Sneed role plus, you know, more like these. He's doing back, you know, the number two back stuff plus Willie Sneed stuff. And uh, that makes a lot of sense because he's been basically the number two receiver most weeks. I know Ted Ginn had 11 targets yesterday, and Michael Thomas uh, had eight. But Kamara, <laughs> this is this is a situation too where I saw something scroll by yesterday. Mark Ingram has uh, an out clause that is triggered if he's first team. Is it first, just first team all pro? I yes. think is what the the designation is. For the Saints, you're like, well, it's kind of okay if that happens, because Kamara's awesome, and we'll just get another guy that can do some Ingram stuff. But I wonder if that that sells Ingram short a little bit. You know, two point eight good. yards per carry yesterday. He didn't do a ton yesterday. He also had a TD taken off the board. I forget what the penalty was. I think it was a hold or something. But Mark Ingram is a good player. And that that was something we discussed when they had Peterson still in the mix and Didn't really make sense to us why the front office and Sean Payton didn't seem to like Mark Ingram as much as the rest of us. Right. And then Kamara was kind of buried early in the year. What what took them so long to get him involved? I mean, he should have been involved from from day one. I mean, at least they're doing it now. Uh, But clearly, this is a Saints team that's very different. They had to play without Lattimore yesterday. Both their starting corners were out. Clearly, that had an impact on how they were able to uh, handle Sammy Watkins at Cooper Cup. I, I thought this was a possibility. I didn't use him in DFS because I don't feel like the the payoff is ever going to be that big. Eight for 116 on 11 targets. He got a lot of volume without Robert Woods out there. So,
1: uh, and and what happened there, so the Saints starting corners are both out. And you kind of looked at it before the game and said, "Okay, this could be a good spot for both Watkins and Cup. And it worked out that way. So this coming week, Robert Woods still out. They play the Cardinals, and it's it's at Arizona. It's at Arizona Rams at Cardinals. Presumably, Patrick Peterson draws Watkins, right? Yeah. So you got another, you got another double-digit target day coming for Cooper Cup here. And I know, and basically we've talked about the off receiver with the car against the Cardinals has done well, like D.D. Westbrook did yesterday. Um, he didn't do great, but he did. Okay. But the offer, basically the, you know, Peterson has done a good job on the, the number one receivers and the second receivers on other teams against Carlos have done very well because the second corner is not good. I mean, I don't know that I'd want to go as far as starting Josh Reynolds from the Rams. Um, because that's the number two cups, a different guy. Cause he's a slot guy, but I think cups, a C- C- cups going to be a nice play this week.
2: Yeah. The setup for the next few weeks looks good for Cooper cup as long as woods is out because Watkins will draw the attention on the outside and cup will match up against slot corners and and probably get some mismatches. And it just seems like Goff really has that, that trust with Cooper cup, even in times where he shouldn't. The question I have for you though, with Sammy Watkins, three TDs now in the last four games coming off a season high, nine targets that matches total from the last three games combined though. Where are you at with Watkins? I mean, for the season, he's at 10.4 yards per target. He's had a few big catches that have really kind of uh, bolstered that number. Should we be optimistic about Watkins down the stretch? Is, I mean, the Arizona matchup is a tough one. Home against Philly, kind of tough. At Seattle, not as tough as it would have been with Sherman out. At Tennessee, and then if you're playing week 17, he gets San Francisco. So he gets the easiest matchup at a time where few of us can actually use it outside of DFS how do you feel about Watkins with that schedule I feel better
1: I think the the people and Mario would be better about this than I would be but I, I feel like the reason that Woods was getting more looks than Watkins it's it seems it sounds like it's basically the Goff was sort of staying out of trouble that the better corners were with Watkins and he was trying not to. And basically he was sort of taking the, the, the safe way out. This is a very simplistic analysis, but it's, it, it sounds like that's what was happening and at this point with woods out. He almost has to go toward Watkins more. I mean, again, th- like we said this week, this is his hard. This is a hard one. I mean, Peterson's that Peterson on the road is a tough one. Um, and then yeah. the other ones, you know, I mean, Seattle sounded, it sounded a lot scarier a few weeks ago on the road. Now it's not, not as scary. So, yes, I do like Watkins more. I just don't know that week 13 is the time I'd want to bet on that and the Eagles, you know, maybe. I mean, I, I wish the opponents were a little softer. That's all.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. they they just they don't give up much. So I, I I'm i sitting here, I'm looking at it and got him in the NFFC and I'll be playing in the, the toilet bowl corner of, of that, trying to get a, a little prize for contributions at the end of the year actually i've got a shot to still make the playoffs on total points but it's somewhat it's better better actual better chances than lloyd christmas um but (laughs) worse chances than like a typical uh you know 100 person gpp so i mean uh, yeah a, a chance a reasonable chance still despite some some shortcomings but hopefully watkins can can go off and actually like justify the Rams making that trade for him because I I've kind of bought into the idea that Goths trying to avoid huge mistakes. Sean McVay has been given coach of the year by Twitter. Uh, do you yes. agree with that? Is, that? is that, is that appropriate? Oh my God. Yes. He's been, he's coach of the decade now on Twitter. What is the, what is What does the whole, what does this all say for, uh, <laughs> I mean, when you look at it, just how bad they were with Jeff Fisher, what does this really mean for Jeff Fisher? It means he was really
1: bad. I mean, it confirms our suspicions that he was really bad, and, yeah. and, and that the offense was, you know, was just that that it was stu- stubbornness that held back their offensive football. I mean, not that Jared Goff was great last year. I mean, but but to your point about Sean, about McVay, I mean, you know, nice turnaround. That's fine. I mean. And, Doug Peterson's waving
2: his hand somewhere about the coach of the year thing. Over oh, here, yeah. hey everybody, Mike Mike Zimmer. I mean, look at the, look at the injuries they've dealt with. Uh, Doug Marone with the Jags. No mm-hmm. one had the Jags playing this well. There's plenty of good candidates, and McVay's the coach that every team who doesn't like their coach wishes they had right now. Right, absolutely. All right, Jags Cardinals
1: today. In things I never thought I'd say. The Blaine Gabbert to Ricky Seals-Jones connection seems legit.
2: Yeah, and um, there was a two tight end league where I, I didn't pick up Ricky Seals-Jones. I could have started him because I don't have a good tight end situation. And now I will miss out because I have no fab left and other teams do, and I'm sure they'll spend their little bit of fab left to get him. And I, I, I stayed away because the snap count was so low against Houston, which is stupid. The reason why it was stupid the quarterback change and the personnel in the depth chart. Otherwise, Jermaine Gresham is not the long term solution for them. Uh, Troy Nicholas is the guy that you'd be worried about maybe pushing him a bit more. Uh, but he's been in the league for a while. So if, if he was going to make his impact in Arizona, I think it would have happened by now. So I, I just didn't read that situation very well from a what could go right standpoint. And then the thing that broke the tie for me, I was looking at Austin Trailer trailer because Oakland's defense is bad and Jag's defense is good. So I tried to play the matchups a little bit too much too and just whiffed completely. Uh, just a r- regrettable decision. Three TDs now in the last two games. 11 targets, 7 catches, and 126 yards in total for Ricky Seals-Jones. All right.
1: Ricky Seals-Jones. Again, a, I don't have the snap count in front of me. It sounds like it wasn't that high again. Um, but Blaine Gabbert's legit. I mean, he's like legit not terrible. Yeah, that that you could play him in a in a, you know, in a two QB league next week where you have 32 starters. I I think I can play Blaine Gabbert. I think I'm I think I'm convinced.
2: Yeah, I think you can. I mean, I also think the the volume sets up pretty well, too, where you don't really look at them as a team that can just run it so well that they can have the 22 to 25 uh, attempt game plan for Gabbert that actually gets them over the top. So. Yeah, if he's throwing it 30 plus times, he'll probably get you 230, 240 through the air most weeks. He gets the Rams coming up next week. And you can see the Rams, you know, putting up some points. And that, again, game script being favorable. Rams are at 6.9 yards per attempt allowed. So just a, a tick better than, than league average. So it might not be pretty from an efficiency standpoint. But volume wise, yeah, Gabber could be all right. Another home game. They've got uh, they're one of the teams that has a lot of home games on the stretch. Four of their last five uh, up through championship week in week 16 at home in Arizona. Yep. They've
1: got their Rams, Titans, then they're at Washington, then home for the Giants. Um, all right, Nick, the other one, D.D. Uh, Westbrook, I mentioned last week, he boasted he was going to get 200 yards and he didn't, and people were a little irrationally exuberant. Um, yesterday, six for 41 on 10 targets. And again, that was sort of the, you know, the offers, the, the non-Patrick Peterson person. Uh, on the receiving, the opposing receiving core. So uh, D.D. Westbrook, just keep your eye on them um, this week. Where are they this week? Hold Jags must be home. They're home for the Colts. So matchup would argue that uh, D.D. Westbrook is a consideration. We'll talk more about that tomorrow with Jake Lutarski on uh, free agent targets. Broncos Raiders. So that was interesting. As um, soon as it started, basically, it was a rumble. It was it was like the scene in Anchorman with Spanish TV and the, you know, the machetes and tridents and all that. It was kind of fun to watch, I have to admit. (laughs) Things about the Raiders here, you're going to have to watch this week. They're home for the Giants, whose defense is not bad, but now Janoris Jenkins might be hurt. Um, But you might have – Amari Cooper suffered a concussion, and we don't know the status. And Michael Crabtree legit might get a suspension after the way he acted yesterday.
2: Yeah, he's, he's in danger of getting an extra game tacked on after the ejection so it could be a lot of marshawn lynch and then uh with corderel patterson and seth roberts and johnny holton as your your primary three receivers i think it would mean good things for jared cook who was surprisingly quiet in this game five targets one catch one yard so i think cook could be the player i like the most in the raiders passing game for uh, week 13 especially given the, the giants struggles with tight ends yeah
1: um all right so yeah watch for that the other thing, I mean, the Broncos backfield, we'd love to figure something out. But that game wasn't – it wasn't close for long. It got close at the end. It wasn't close. Booker was on the field, 44% of snaps, but they didn't – none of them did anything. I mean, it was just a disaster offensively for the Broncos. So, we, I mean, we, we didn't get any insight on the Devontae Booker thing, I, I, I guess, right? He certainly didn't take over. We're not sure after yesterday if, it, if he's going to or not.
2: Yeah, that's one of those spec ads I made that I'm not feeling great about for Week 13 at least. Uh, But looking at this, Trevor Simeon comes in in relief, throws two TD passes, one to Cody Latimer, one to Benny Fowler, against one of the league's worst pass defenses, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders combined for eight catches and 30 yards on 14 targets. (laughs) Holy cow. Like, what is... What happened, Denver? Like, what is going on with your team? Yep. It's bad. It's really bad. And
1: again, that was one of those, you know, I watched, I, I, I watched the red zone, so I couldn't see a lot of it.
2: But. I, that's, where, that's how I saw it, too. And every time they cut into that game, which was actually a lot because it was a small late afternoon batch like it usually is, I just saw Paxton Lynch looking like a guy that has no business being on the field in the NFL correct <laughs> <Right. laughs> well you might not see him this week depending on how his foot turns out i mean i hope his foot's okay i just i how did teams look at him well i mean one at least looked at him and saw like a first round pick future starter how did they see that i don't know i
1: don't know but i didn't like i guess i didn't see enough so I mean, maybe it change changed they're at miami this week so if he plays maybe it's better um Packers Steelers. I mean, we talked about Jamal Williams, two touchdowns. Nice. Had a, you know, had one big play that helped certainly. Um, but we talked about how he's sort of you know in that line of low end RB two, I guess top twenty five ish, right on the border. There is where we're going if he if Montgomery's not back and all that. So
2: yeah, I, I think if if Ty Montgomery is still sidelined, Jamal Williams can be like an RB two because the volume's been there. Uh, and again, he doesn't look real explosive to me. I mean, did take that, uh, that screen to the house, but I I think the, the ability to break tackles and then get that burst. It's it's just not there. That breakaway speed is not going to be there that often. The volume is so good right now. 21 carries for him. Aaron Rupkowski had one, Uh, right? Trevor Davis had a design like end around play. So he's the guy. And, and that, that volume puts him ahead of like an Adrian Peterson, Maybe, maybe it puts him ahead of Kareem Hunt. I, I, Kareem Hunt's just the, the shrug text emoji looking thing <laughs> for me. Like I, 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 I can't recall a player looking that good to start the year and his, his production just keeps getting chopped in half for a few weeks. Like it's so weird. Like I, I'm, I'm baffled by Kareem Hunt. Right. I'm baffled by Kareem Hunt too. Uh, I ha- I have Jamal Williams, so if somebody in one of those leagues where we can, if we can still make trades wants to offer me Kareem Hunt just to see what I'll do, see if it'll make my head explode, go ahead send that offer.
1: Right I away. would like to see a, somebody do that, please. If you're listening and you're in leagues with Derek. <laughs> Um the other thing in that game uh, with with Juju out, Martavis Bryant was playable. He got a touchdown, which you know made his fantasy productivity solid he was four for 40 with touchdown on six targets but basically Roethlisberger he he literally threw he threw 26 of his 44 passes to Antonio and Le'Veon Bell
2: so yeah and yet he threw seven passes in the direction of Eli Rogers. now when I watch the Steelers Eli Rogers looks like a perfectly useful slot receiver but when, Mar- when I see Martavis Bryant get targeted I see him make a catch I'm like how do you not throw the ball at Martavis Bryant more than you throw it to Eli Rogers? by comparison as a how do you not want to do that as a quarterback?
1: I I would think you'd want to, but yeah, Martavis,
2: I think, I I wonder if there's a, you know, the, the quarterback's got to have a trust level with the guy too, right? He does. And as a rookie, Martavis Bryant was running behind people, catching the ball downfield. And for some Mm -hmm. reason they, they don't do that anymore. They, they took that, they took that play away. Um, He's big and he's fast. Why wouldn't you want to throw to him? It'd be, it'd be fun. It'd be easier. You could you could miss. You could you could be terrible and throw in his direction. <laughs> maybe, He'll probably bail you out. Maybe so. Um, all right, Texans
1: Ravens tonight. This this is this smells like a blowout. I mean, so did so did uh, Steelers Packers, and it wasn't. But this smells like a blowout. like a bad one. That that the Texans. If the Texans don't score, I'm. Good. If, if I wake up, I'll probably make it to the end tonight, but I get to the end and I look and it's something to nothing. I'll go, Oh, well, yeah, right.
2: At what point do we look at the Ravens defense and say, wow, like this is actually a good enough defense where maybe they're a, a scary team to have to face in the postseason?" because they're kind of like the Eagles, 6.4 yards per attempt. So in a, a very small tick worse. And now the run defense uh, is trending in the right direction with Brandon Williams back. 4.1 yards per carry on the season doesn't scare you. Only six rushing scores, though. So if they end up trending more towards like a, a top 10 run defense and a top five pass defense, that's pretty darn good. Like it's not an offense you like based on the way they've run it so far this year. But I don't know. They put up that 40 spot against the Dolphins. They shut the Packers out. I I just I'm wondering if this defense is better than we gave it credit for throughout most of the season. It's pretty good.
1: I I think as bad as their offense has is and Flacco's he's just not good. You know, it's just you can see them. I think you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You you look and your first instinct is that their offense isn't good enough to win a playoff game. But then you kind of go, could they win in Nashville? "Mm." (laughs) Sure. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, could, they could be – yes, they, they can win the, the early Saturday playoff game. Right. Like that, that that much I know. And then they can ruin the over-under in a game the following week against the Patriots. Like they could do something like that. Right. Like that, that's about as much as they can do I think.
1: Yeah, but they could win. Could they win at the Chargers? Yeah. Or Kansas City? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I have a, an elite, a PPR league. It's on Yahoo!. I'm down 23, and I have Alex Collins. Yahoo says my chances of winning are 8%. What do you think? Do you think that's, a, that's a, an accurate assessment? That almost seems high. Come on. 23 points from Alex Collins? 100 yards and a touchdown with four receptions.
2: You'd right? still be short by three. <laughs> well, hold on. Let me <laughs> that's <six>. the problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I don't have a 100-yard bonus in this league either. Yeah, no bonuses. He's got seven passes all year, John. I don't think he's catching. Like he caught four last week, so maybe yes. he'll catch four again. But you know, it's, the bad happen. thing is in this league, I benched
1: in the flex spot. I benched Marvin Jones for Collins. So you would have you would have won. I would have won, and I benched Robbie, but I wasn't going to start. I benched Robbie. I benched Sammy Watkins, and I benched Marvin for that spot.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing working against you is that Danny Woodhead doesn't have a snap count this week limit. <laughs> Uh, snap count limit this week. So with that, Woodhead's probably going to take away some of those seven targets. I mean, Collins had more targets against the Packers with the seven than he had the rest of the season combined when he had five. All right, fine. Rain in my parade. Go right ahead. He's got one game where he's rushed for more than 82
1: yards this season. But they're going to win by they're going to win 27 to nothing tonight.
2: I think they will win easily. I am just not confident in Alex Collins doing a lot for you. I hope he does for your sake. I just, yeah, I think you're at more like 3% than 8%. And and it's funny, yesterday I jumped on
1: uh, Tim Heaney's Facebook Live Q&A and I asked him who I should play. And he said Deion Lewis, which I would have lost. But... He, he was not on the, I, he, I, I was still on the, yeah, the Ox Collins bandwagon here. I kind of, I, I kind of, I still kind of like, I'm, I'm confident. I'm more confident than 8%. I'll tell you that. All right. Well, hey, maybe this is the, the bold move that pays off for you. I hope so. So you know, we'll see what happens. Well, I'll let you know to Martin Tuesday's podcast with Jake. All right, everybody, listeners to our podcast can get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at RotoWire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, RotoWire.com slash pod. Derek, we've got um, waivers with uh, Jake and I tomorrow on the podcast. Kevin Payne got, has his waiver suggestions coming up, I think, tonight, right?
2: Yep, uh, late tonight or early. I think it's early Tuesday morning is when it actually gets posted. But it will be done within the next 24 hours. All right. It's gonna be a lot
1: of uh a lot of D. Westbrook, I have a feeling.
2: Just probably. Yeah. I uh I'm I'm not seeing it. But uh again, we talked about the the speed and, and the things he brings to the table. That's obviously why people like him, but I I Bortles is just the restrictor plate on that offense yes, right now. Yes, he really is. Did did you
1: see the interception? The the Teron Matthew interception? Mm, oh. I may have seen it, it's just not popping into my head. I think he literally caught it Bortles was kind of rolling to the right and tried to throw something near the sideline and Matthew was in front of him I I think Matthew might have been four yards away from Bortles when he when he caught the ball like he tried to throw it Matthew was like oh it's gonna hit me right in the face
2: outstanding
1: (laughs) that's great and that's when you went right Blake Bortles right exactly Bortles gonna Bortle someone said someone posted a Twitter thing yesterday it said all Blaine Gabbert does is hurt the Jaguars which I really liked
2: That's all he can do.
0: (laughs) 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 All right,
1: folks, if you like this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you leave us more reviews and ratings. Thanks a lot for the ones you've been sending so far. And thank you for listening to this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Uh, I'll be back Tuesday with Jake Letarski talking about free agents for this week. So come on back and check it out before you make your bids and pickups. For Derek Van Riper. I'm John Halpin. See you next time.
3: find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.